Welcome. So glad to have you guys today. Listen, Pastor Bill did not lose his hair in age about 10 years. You don't need to clean your glasses for those of y'all that wear glasses. I am Nate Dooley. I'm the Stone Oak and San Antonio campus pastor. Some of y'all also know me as, yeah, that's right. Some of y'all also know me as the next-gen pastor. I hang out with some of our students and our student staff on a regular basis. First of all, I want to welcome in our campuses. We've got our Stone Oak campus. Miss you guys today. My wife is filling the role as campus pastor for the moment, so great to have her. we got Rockport Padre Island. we got Rodfield Westside, and uh, I think i got everybody online campus as well. But most importantly, in my opinion, we've got our God Behind Bars guys. Give it up for our God Behind Bars guys. Listen, I'll tell you what. If you haven't heard some of the stories that you men are doing behind, behind bars of reaching your family, which is not behind bars, it's pretty incredible. We've seen a lot of the fruit of that in, in Stone Oak, and it's really incredible what God's doing behind bars with these men. And so please be praying for them because God's at work and we want to encourage their hearts as well. Let's say our mission statement together to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church and Lemon. We say that every week so everyone is reminded of who we are and what we do. Hey, I want to honor the man of the house real quick. First of all, he has built, Pastor Bill, his wife Jessica, they have built a miracle here. And we get to be a part of it. It's really incredible seeing that because Pastor Bill has challenged me in my leadership, in my fatherhood, in my parenting, in my shoe game. I mean, he has, he has challenged me in more ways than I've ever been challenged. And I'm grateful for this moment that I get to stand on a stage and fill these shoes for just a second. And so let's give it up for our pastor real quick. Love the man, love his family, incredible people, really honored to have them and be a part of their leadership as well. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever tasted something bitter? Raise your hand if you've tasted something bitter. So y'all are honest. The other service, like two people raised their hand. I'm like, y'all are lying to me. <laughs> like, do you know what happens when you lie to a pastor? Nothing, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but some of you have tasted something bitter before. In fact, let me show you a video of a baby tasting something bitter real quick. Big bite, big bite. What do you think? Pretty good? You, you try some more? <laughs> no more lemon? Okay, if you didn't know that, that's what you call cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, I've done it to every one of my kids. Raise your hand if you're with me. You really have. Thank you for being honest. Uh, I, that's, I don't know what it is. Something about uh, torturing my children is, is very fun to me. Um, no, just having fun with them, that's fun. I remember one of my kids, I don't remember which one it was, they told me they actually liked it. And I'm like, babe, we got to pray for this one. Like, this is not right. <laughs> like, they don't even like it, bitterness like that. Well, something happens when you taste something bitter, it shows out on your face. And sometimes it shows in your life. In fact, today we're going to be talking about bitterness and unforgiveness. And sometimes when we've experienced bitterness in our life, it begins to show out on our face even, and it shows in our lifestyle, our circumstance, our heart, passions, our careers, our parenting, and our anger. In fact, some of y'all may, may know somebody that looks a little bitter, if you know what I'm saying. You don't need to look to the person next to you. Please don't. <laughs> some of you are like, hey, you bitter. <laughs> don't do that. Encourage the people who are here. Because whenever you take in bitterness, sometimes our faith and our life responds to it. Here's the thing. We need the change. I need the change. And that's a series we're on right now. And, and a lot of us in our life, in our situations, we, we have some things in our life where we are just resentful and we are hurt because something had happened. So let me start by saying this. If you've been hurt, something happened to you and this message is right for you and you don't want to hear it, I get you. I've got some messages that I hear on a regular basis, messages that I preach that I don't want to hear myself. 
If that's you in this room or any of our rooms, listen, I don't want to disqualify, I don't want to diminish, diminish anything that's happened to you. That's not the point at all. I just want to help you to better cope with it and deal with it so that you can get through it. Because God doesn't want, to, want you to, I don't want you to, nobody wants you to be bitter and angry for the rest of your life. So I'm gonna give you a few simple steps of how to deal with bitterness because, because we have to deal with this because it's just a, it's a life struggle is really what it is. And here's the thing about bitterness. It's one of those struggles like, no matter what your sin struggle is, like honestly, it could be something you struggle at looking at. It could be a lifestyle. It could be alcoholism. It could be drugs. It could be anything. Here's the thing about your sin struggle, but especially with bitterness. Everybody sees it. It's one of those things we like to say, well, nobody really knows about my, my deep-rooted anger or bitterness toward my parents. Nobody really knows what's going on with that. In fact, it's not that big of a deal, but the truth is everybody sees it. In fact, we're the last person to realize that everyone sees it because people see through the bitterness and they see your face and they see what looks like your life is tasting a lemon when it comes down to it. And so here's the thing about bitterness that we've got to understand. And you've heard this said before. I think I've even said this from the stage before a year ago. Bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's a real catchy phrase. It's been said for years, but it's very true. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die because your unforgiveness affects one person and it's not the offender, it's the offended. So, so when you get hurt, and, and man, many of us in this room have been hurt, me as well. When you get hurt, you, you get so frustrated and angry and mad, and, and, and rightfully so, if I'm going to be real. Frustrated, angry, and mad. And then what happens is we deal with the consequences, not the person that offended us or hurt us. And so, so maybe we need to change. You know, I, I deal with people on the daily. It's kind of my job. I'm a pastor. I love dealing with people. And, and one of the number one or two problems that I deal with is people that are bitter or hurt from something that happened in the past. And so it's something that really needs to be addressed in our church and in a lot of our lives. And so if this isn't you, you're like, man, I don't struggle with bitterness, then pray for the room. Because this is a message that's gonna, it's gonna free a lot of people. And that's what I've been praying for, that people are freed and lives are changed. So some of the thoughts of the sermon were inspired, inspired by a man named Kyle Eidelman. He's a church, pastor of a church in Louisville, Kentucky. Unbelievable man of God. He's got some great wisdom that we'll be sharing a little bit of that today, just a couple quotes. But this isn't one of his quotes. This is from scripture in Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. If you've got your Bible, you can read along. If not, it'll be at our screens across all of our churches. It says this, all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander must be removed from you, along with malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. So I want to give you a few simple steps on how to deal with bitterness. First of all is this, identify the source of your bitterness. There's a source to the anger and the resentment and the hurt and the unforgiveness that you have, and you need to find the source. So who is the source of my bitterness? What is the source of my bitterness? And a lot of y'all could write down right now, this, this right now, I can tell you what it is, I know what it is. And automatically, some of us are dealing with bitterness that we don't even realize we have. And that's, that's my life when it comes down to it, because sometimes I don't even realize it. Last, last week I was on vacation, or this past week I was on vacation in Louisville, Kentucky, staying at my mom's house. And so when you're a parent, you don't typically pick up every mess. Some parents are OCD, that's not me. Um, if I see a mess, I'm like, I'll get that next year. Um, and so I walk over a puddle of water twice. And so I walk over it this way. And I'm, I remember locking the front door. It's like about midnight or something like this, that, putting the kids to bed or kind of late. And then uh, walk over it again. Don't really think of anything about it. It's like wood floor. It's going to stain the floor. I'm like, I don't really care. I just want to go to bed. And so then uh, for some reason, I have to walk back by a third time and I see a drip of water fall in front of my face. And so my mind's slow processing. I'm like, so if it fell from above, 
That means that, uh-oh, so there's a huge water stain on our ceiling, and my, my mom's house is new, it's beautiful and all this, and I'm like, that's not good, because we're the only ones staying upstairs. I'm like, uh-oh. And I'm like, well, one of two people. It could be my wife. Nope, she's perfect. She never does anything wrong whatsoever. So we know it's her men in the room, you know what I'm saying? Like, wives are perfect. They absolutely do nothing wrong. Uh, and then some of y'all are going to applause, and you're like, no, it's not, doesn't it? Uh, Second of all, it was, it was one of my kids because uh, I, I looked, so I kind of looked and I'm like, all right, where's that coming from? I think there's a bathroom there and there. It's probably that bathroom. So I walk up. It's our bathroom. And one of my children, God bless their soul, uh, what they did is I told them, I said, when you take a shower in here, you've got to seal the curtain against the tile. If not, the water will shoot against the tile and it'll shoot all over the bathroom and, and the bathroom will be flooded. So I walk upstairs, walk in, and my socks get wet. Do you know how angry I get when my socks get wet? Like, it's just, it's just not fair. Um, anyway, and so... And so I walk up there and I'm like, are you kidding me? And then I see my shower towel on the ground and I got some bitterness and resentment going on right there. Like, I am like, that's my towel. I got to go to the dryer and get another towel now. Like, I am going to. And so, uh, and so I see that towel and I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. But here's what I was able to do. I identified the source, dried it up, dried it up downstairs, dried the ceiling a little bit, didn't fix it, probably should have. Uh, but I, I identified the source. I stopped the problem from bleeding. And so that's the first thing that we need to do. We have to find the source because when we get to the source, we identify the root of the problem and possibly of our bitterness. Um, the next step isn't the easiest. It's kind of probably one of the harder steps. There's three steps. It's one of the harder ones. But first of all, I want to give you a little illustration to kind of prepare you for this step. So anybody seen the show? It's a new show about being organized in life and in your, in your house called Tidying Up. Has anybody ever seen the show? Here's a picture of it. There's like three women in the room that have seen this. One guy. I, I got you, bro. I've seen it too. Um, <laughs> Only because my wife said, see it. And she's like, we're going to watch the show. And I'm like, okay, okay, I don't mind organization. I'm fine with that. And so this sweet lady, she, this lady behind me, this sweet lady, she starts talking about organization. So she says, take everything from your closet, put it in the middle of the room, grab each piece and say, do you spark joy in my life? And I'm like, babe, listen, I can talk to anything, but I ain't talking to my clothes. And then if the answer is no, you put it away and you say, thank you. Why? Like, thank you for covering my parts that nobody should see. I mean, what, I mean, what are you like? What are you thanking your clothes for? Like, that's just weird. But it, but it worked. And here's what it did. So, so she did that, and she got rid of all kinds of stuff. And then you thank the clothes that don't spark joy anymore. But here's the thing: the idea of cleaning out your closet is a perfect example of what some of us need to do in removing some of the things in our mind and heart that do not bring joy but bring resentment. Is the second step in dealing with bitterness. So we need to get rid of it. We need to look at those thoughts, those attitudes, those situations, and we need to get rid of whatever thoughts are causing bitterness or frustrations. Because here's what we do. We put it in the corner of the closet and it's covering everything that brought joy in our life. Like when I did that, I'm like, I remember this shirt. It smelled better back in the day, but I loved this shirt. Like this shirt really brought joy. And I'm like, thank you for your time. Oh, I'm not getting rid of you, but thank you for anyway. Put it back up. Like I love that. And here's what we do. We stuff it in the drawer. And we push out the good things of our life, the things that brought joy, because we got so many things in our life that bring resentment and pain. And we need to get rid of those things because when people come over, we close the closet door, we repress, suppress it, and then over time it explodes and it comes out in our life. And no closet, no closet can hold our pain. We need to come clean. We need to get right. And we have to clean out the closet. And, and here's what happens. Maybe when you, when you haven't gotten rid of those thoughts, you get angry over little things. Like somebody might say to me, somebody said to me before, they say, hey, Nate, did you know you're bald? And I'm like, well, you want to fight? Like, what's going on here? Uh, 
I don't even know why you're laughing at me. Like, this isn't funny. I know I'm bald, but I don't need you talking about it, okay? Uh, I'm just kidding, of course. But somebody could say something simple that might be humorous, and then you just, you just get mad, and you clench your fist, and you hold it, and you hold it in, and you bring it close, and you're just like, this thing drives me crazy. And then something simple, your kids say something, your wife says something, you begin to lash out in anger and frustration because you're clenching your fist, holding on to something that you didn't even know you were holding on to. And then what happens is it overflows into your life and it's pushing out all the things that bring joy and happiness. Like some of y'all may deal with, uh, I like to call it road grumpiness. You know what I'm talking about? Um, maybe you're driving on the road, you get a little upset. That's not me. I don't really get upset. But one thing that I used to do, uh, I've, I've grown from that. I'm a solid Christian now. I don't make mistakes. Um, <laughs> and so what, what I used to do is I was on the road and uh, my son was in the car with me one time and, and I, I pulled around this lady and I, I'm sure I did it really slow. My, my wheels weren't peeling out or spinning sideways or anything like that. And so I pull around the car and so they pull up next to me and I'm like, okay, don't even look. I'm sure they're mad. And, and out of the corner of my eye, I see a lady hanging out the window. And I'm like, is she getting some fresh air or what? Like what's going on here? And so I look over and she's like giving me the, the one finger salute. I'm like, they think I'm number one, son. Like that's awesome. And, uh, and then out of nowhere, I, I, I did what I shouldn't have done. I started going, I started going like this. Uh, you, don't, you don't even know what this is anymore. Um, I, I pressed the button and I rolled down the window and she's like, you, I can't even mouth the words. It was so bad. And she's saying all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like she's mad. And so, so then I just asked her, I wanted to make sure she was, if you know what I'm saying. I said, are you mad? Are you upset right now? And, and, and she's getting mad and yelling other stuff and her husband's swerving and all that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, they really are. And I said, do you need a hug? You're an angry elf. And, and you shouldn't do that. That's sinful. But, but like, I don't, I don't really get upset on the road. There's just no need to. It's so simple. It's so minor. But a lot of stuff have built up stuff and we get mad at the little stuff, in our, little things in our life. Well, here's what I learned from that circumstance. I don't really get mad at those people. It's, it's like, you can call me whatever you want. You don't know me. I don't know you. Like, seriously, you saying that about me, like, I, I can't get offended by that. There's just no need to. But here's also what I realized that those that are closest to in our life, closest to us in our life, are the ones that hurt us the most. Parents, siblings, aunt, uncle, they hurt us the most because they're closest to us. In fact, the enemy really uses that because he knows if he can attack the family, that he can attack your life. And if somebody close to you can hurt you that bad, then the enemy can get a foothold. In fact, in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, it says this, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives the foothold, gives a foothold to the devil. Kyle Eidelman worded it like this. Anger is the open door that gives the devil access to the private rooms of your heart. I don't want him having access to the private rooms of my heart, but I've let him before. And when I do, anger is the result. I could tell you about broken bones in my hand in high school because I was angry. I had some stuff that needed to be dealt with. Did you know that millions of dollars is spent on anti-aging cream, yet the number one thing that'll age you is bitterness? I've seen people that I haven't seen in like five years, and I'm like, whoa, hey, time has not done you well, bro. <laughs> like, what happened? And then come to find they're like, oh, man, it's divorce, parents. I'm like, man, I'm so sorry because it hurts, it's real, it's heavy. Sometimes you can look at someone and just say, man, you, 
You've got a lot going on because relationships are destroyed by your bitterness and anger, destroyed marriages, destroyed heart passions, wrecked careers, it prevents future. We've got to identify the source of our bitterness. We need to get rid of the thoughts. And the next is when it gets hard. Like this is where it really gets hard. Like, hey, I can tell you what makes me anger. I can begin to get rid of some thoughts, but this is where it gets really hard. And I'm gonna get right to it. The third thing is just release it. So you're holding on to it. You're just frustrated and you're, you're sitting there and you're like, I'm not gonna let this go because it hurts too bad. Like this just, this just isn't fair. No, it's not fair. And we're not willing to just, just release it. Like we're not willing to let go. And you may say, Pastor Nate, that's easy for you to say. You've never had anybody hurt you. Well, I have. We won't get into the details of that. But it's easy for me to say because you may think, well, you, you think I'm going to forgive her? You think I'm gonna forgive him? And you've probably said more choice words in your, your head. You're thinking probably not, but, but God asks us to release it. And let me give you a few examples that are straight from Scripture. Acts 7, Stephen's a Christian. He's beginning to tell people about Jesus. And this is what it says there. It says, Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Stones coming at his head, blood's pouring out of his skull, and he says, Lord, forgive them. Some of y'all know this verse pretty well. Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 14, he had some very hurtful things done to him. It goes into the details in the passage. We won't go into that. He says, may it not be held against him. Do they deserve the forgiveness? No, heck no. Do the Roman soldiers deserve forgiveness because they killed our Savior? No, not a chance. Do those men and women that threw rocks at Stephen's head and brutally murdered him? No, they don't deserve forgiveness. And it, it almost takes me off that they were forgiven. But it's not my choice. It's not for me to say, because here's what was interesting about them. It's almost like even on their deathbed, Stephen and Jesus especially, even on their deathbed, they realize this forgiveness isn't for my attackers. It's for me. So seconds before he died, he says, Father, forgive them. So it's almost like all this forgiveness stuff is, it's not for them, it's for us. So that we don't get sick and die as a result of the things that were done to us. And so I, I wanna encourage you, be, begin to let go like Stephen, Jesus, and Paul, because here's something they realize is, we'll, we'll honestly never have to forgive more than we've already been forgiven. Because Jesus forgave, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, asked Jesus in your heart, he's forgiven everything you've ever done. The bad, the worse, the ugly, the uglier, he's forgiven everything. He put it on the cross and he died on the cross for it, and you were forgiven of your sins, past, present, and future. When somebody's hurt you, you have to forgive, and you have to forgive a lot, and, and, and it's not easy. But you'll never have to forgive every sin that someone's ever committed. And so when Jesus forgave you, he's forgiven more about you than you'll ever have to forgive of someone else. So you'll never have to forgive more than you've already been forgiven. Identify it, get rid of the thoughts, and begin to release it to God. One time I had to release something about my, my kids. Some of y'all get mad at your kids. I mean, me too. I'm with you on that. Uh, well, so my son, here's what's going on. They're about... I don't know, two, three, four years old, we start talking about drinking uh, caffe caffeinated drinks like Cokes, Mountain Dew, Pop, Soda, whatever you call it. And we called it Cokes. And I said, hey, Deacon, London, Deacon's my son. Um, hey, Deacon, well, we don't drink Coke. It's got caffeine. It's an adult beverage is what we called it. So we don't, we don't drink adult beverages. When you get to be an adult, you can drink them. So I would typically drink them on Sunday night when I had our students from our youth group over to our house. And that's kind of the only time I drank them. I was in a season where I wasn't drinking too much Coke. And so I would drink it then and he knew, oh, dad gets adult beverages, Cokes, whenever the kids are over on Sunday night. So he goes to school, it's Red Ribbon, Red Ribbon Week, and they're talking about alcohol and beer and all that kind of stuff. And they use a common term, 
adult beverages. You see where this is going. And, uh, and so he says to the, the teacher and the counselor, he says, oh, oh, adult beverages. My dad drinks adult beverages when he has students over from church on Sunday night. <laughs> Seriously, son. And then another time, this is recently at a school in Corpus, he, he says, uh, the teacher says, hey, Deacon, listen, quit running to the front of the line. He's racing everywhere. He's been in recess. He's racing everybody. And he's running to the front of the lunch line. And he's racing every time he gets a chance. And the teacher says, Deacon, slow down. Everything in life isn't a race. And he says, that's not what my dad said. <laughs> so needless to say, everything that happens in my life, everything that I do is publicized to the school or wherever my kids are. If you want to find out about me, ask my kids. They are an open book. It's not a good thing. And so like when he did that, like I'm, I'm getting mad. Like I'm getting bitter. I'm like, I know where you sleep, son. You know what I could do to you while you're asleep? And, and, and we've got we've to decide to choose not to get revenge. And we'll get into that in a second. But as, as we go on in this passage, verse 32, it says this. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So that's a good verse. In fact, I've seen it on Instagram a lot with flowers around the edge and all that kind of stuff. Somebody types, this is me. And you're like, you are full of it. You're lying. That ain't from you. They put it on Facebook and they're like, it reminds me of a story. And you're like, okay, you are such a liar. Like there's no way that's really you. It's, it's kind of a Hallmark card verse, but it's also real life because here's what it comes down to. Moving from general truth to specific application, it's not easy. Like if I was to say hey, right now, hey, don't y'all agree we should forgive people? Everybody go, yeah, forgive. But then, it, then when I read that verse and I say, hey, instead be kind to one another, tenderhearting, forgiving your mom, just as Christ has forgiven you, everybody's like, oh, uh, maybe not that specific. I'm okay with the general application, but maybe not the specific and direct application. Or, or maybe instead be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving your former boss, forgiving that drunk driver, forgiving your uncle. That's, that's a little harder. But that's, that's when we have to, we just got to, that white knuckled grip where we're just frustrated and angry and we're holding on to it saying, but, but it hurts. It's not fair. I think about it every day. We got to go, no, I don't have to think about it every day. I can let it go. I can, I can release it unto the Lord. I can release them unto the Lord. And that's, and that's really hard to do that. It's really hard to do that. But when you do that, the reward is way greater and it's incomparable. And one way that we can start the process of releasing bitterness is release your right to get even. Because Jesus did, Stephen did, Paul did several times. With my son, I was frustrated with him. I kind of wanted to get even and do something back. What are going to help? I've released that, that right to do that. Because here's what I have to understand is we think we will get over it when we get even. But, but that's not forgiveness. That's revenge. We're not going to get even because when we take revenge, we put ourselves on the throne and remove God from the throne of our life. Because that's not God's call. That's not our call. That's God's call. In fact, most of the problems that we have in life me, for sure, is the times when I sit on the throne and I push God off the throne. And so we have to look at our situation and realize this is God's responsibility, not mine. So replace anger and resentment with forgiveness and grace, and it will change your life. Identify the source, get rid of the thoughts, and release the bitterness and pain. So here's the bottom line that I want you to realize. When you were the most betrayed, when you were the most abandoned, when you were left alone, when you were hurt beyond repair, when you were broken beyond understanding, when you were frustrated beyond any situation that you never imagined, you weren't alone. God, God was, was right there with you. And a lot of times, 
lot of times he was, he was carrying you through it. And so when you think, man, no one understands, they don't get it, no one knows, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying there, but it's not complete truth. Because God does. If you think, there's no way Jesus understands what I'm going through, yes, he does, because he's, he understands what it's like to be ridiculed, be mocked, be beaten, falsely accused, abandoned, betrayed by his friends he trusts. And guess what he chose? He chose forgiveness. Forgive them, Father. They don't even know what they're doing. And even on his dying bed, he said, forgive them, Father. And so he chose to identify, get rid of the thoughts, release it, and receive freedom. So he, he's clinching it, or, or whoever, he's clinching it. He releases it, and then before you know it, he receives freedom. And he's free in his situation. And so we walked through uh, what to do to forgive someone. Here's why. Let me explain to you the why of when you'd want to forgive someone. I've got a friend named John. Pretty incredible story. Uh, he's a Christian. He's going to church. He's walking with Jesus. Uh, but, but something kept happening in his life. He kept resorting back to old sin, old struggles. He kept going back to his old lifestyle, even though he knows Jesus now. But he, he said, you know what? I really feel like God's called me to start a business. I really want to start a business. I'm 29 years old. Uh, I've got a lot of future um, ahead of me. Like, I really feel like I need to do this. I'm going to step out in faith. He really feel like God called him to do it. So he steps out in faith, starts his business. After year one, profit, no, not profit, sales was $60,000. Sales. So you do the math, two men working full time. They made no money. In fact, they probably lost a lot of money. And so he made a life revolutionary decision. He said, God, what's the problem? What do I need to do here? You told me to do this. I feel like you told me to do this. I'm stepping out in faith. I feel like something's holding me back. What is it? So he said, God, what do I need to do? And he heard the Lord say, long story short, he heard the Lord say, you're resentful with your dad. And he says, okay, I'll forgive my dad. He goes to his dad, he forgives him. He comes back and he's like, all right, God, I forgave my dad. Now what's next? You need to forgive your mom. He's like, I'm not even mad at my mom. I know, I know them very well. And he hangs out with his mom almost every day. He's got a great mom. And he said there was deeply rooted bitterness that was hiding underneath a pile of clothes that I didn't even know was there. And I was hanging on to it. I didn't even know it. And I had to release it. I forgave my mom. He went back and said, all right, God, I forgave my dad. I forgave my mom that I didn't even know I was bitter with. What, what now? And then the Lord said to him, he says, you know what? You're sleeping with your girlfriend. And he's like, okay, that has nothing to do with bitterness or anything like that, but I want to get right with God. And so, so listen to what he said in response to this because she was kind of um, upset that he wasn't getting physical with her anymore anymore. And so, so he said this. He said, listen, if this is who you are, you aren't for me. Ouch. That's difficult for a young man to say that when it comes to the physical nature of a relationship, if you know what I'm saying. And, and here's the thing. I'm a married man, and, and I've, when it comes to my marriage relationship, I've kind of got the same problem. My wife throws herself at me a lot. Um, it, it could be like if married men in the room, I think you'd be honest. Like if it's the bottom of the ninth inning, the World Series, bases are loaded, full count, two outs, and your team's up to the plate. If your wife wants to go there, you go there. Like she wins every single time. Your team may win, may lose, but, but she's going to win every single time. Well, this single man who wanted to get right with God, when he already got right with other things, said, no, this isn't me. And so he's making great strides in his decision-making. He hadn't fallen back into that sin in a long, long, way before he made this decision. And here's what happened. Year one, $60,000. Month one, after the confession and the, the releasing and all that kind of stuff, month one, year one, $60,000. Month one, $250,000. A quarter of a million dollars, almost a quarter of a million dollars. Tell me God's not all over that. Things don't change like that. I've been a part of business for a while, and a lot of you all have too, and you're like, yeah, the market shifts, but it doesn't shift that much. 
God was all over the situation. And it doesn't stop at forgiveness. Sometimes you have to stay faithful when it's not that easy as well. And he received freedom. The forgiveness that we give to others comes from the forgiveness that we receive from God. Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes, open your hearts to what God wants to say right now. If you haven't received this forgiveness, I want to invite you to do so right now. Because it's God's grace toward us that allows us to give grace to others. You know, if we really understood our offense in the light of his holiness, we would be much more broken and repentant because you might, you might realize this or you might not. Your offender may never fully understand. Your spouse may never fully repent. Your parent may never fully ask for forgiveness or even understand when you say you forgive them. But you can still forgive because Christ forgave you. And here's the truth of the matter. If they don't deserve our forgiveness, then we don't deserve God's forgiveness. You have to have experienced grace before you can distribute grace. You can't give away what you haven't received. So some of you need to ask for forgiveness first by receiving Jesus first. Because 2,000 years ago, he came. He lived a perfect life. He died for your sin and for mine. He arose from the dead. He lived the life that we couldn't live to die the death that we deserve. He forgave everything you've ever done, everything. That's a lot of forgiveness. That's a lifetime of forgiveness. And you can receive Jesus right now as your savior and you can receive his forgiveness for the things that you've done wrong in his holiness right now as we pray together because nobody prays alone here at Church Unlimited. So if you wanna receive Jesus, ask him into your heart, surrender your life over to him, then I want you to repeat after me and we're gonna pray this together. Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my life and take over. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I surrender my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Some of y'all just received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ for the first, only, and the last time. You asked Jesus in your heart, and he's changed you from, ever, from here on forever for the rest of your life. You have a home in heaven when you die. That's what it says in Scripture. But some of you need to release what you're holding on to. Now that you've received Christ's forgiveness, it's time that you give that forgiveness to somebody else. And some of you already knew Jesus and you still need to forgive that, forgive that next person. So here's the thing. We sit there and we, we clench our fists and we close our fists and, and, and we say, you don't know what he did to me. You don't know what she said to me. You don't know how long I was alone and hurt and bruised. You don't know how much it cost me financially, emotionally, relationally. I'm on my third marriage and this ain't fair. And it downright sucks. And you may sit there broken and beaten and bruised emotionally. But guess what? It's not helping the situation by not forgiving the person. And now that you've received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you Identify it. You've got to identify it because you might be clenching in your fist right now. I want you to, to remove some of the, the thoughts and then I want you to release it unto God because God doesn't give you the blessings when you have a closed fist because your hands aren't open to receive them. But when you let go, God wants to fill you up with his grace, his love, his peace, and sometimes blessing like my friend John received. Then he chooses not to when you have closed fists because he can't he can, but he chooses not to, to give those to you. So I wanna give you that chance today. So here's what I wanna encourage everybody to do. And maybe you're thinking of a situation in your mind right now, but I want you, everybody in the room and all of our rooms at Rod, Phil, at Padre and Stone Oak, I want you to put your fists in front of you like I've been doing this entire time. Put your fists in front of you. And if you really need to seek forgiveness for something, then I want you to do this from the bottom of your heart. I want to see everybody's fists out right now just to help those that are around you that really need to release something. Put your fists out in front of you. Clench that hard. 
Think about what that person did, what that person said, the thing that they did, the drunk driver, whoever it is, your mom, your dad. Think about that person. And I want you to think and get frustrated for a moment because you've experienced those emotions already. You might as well right now. And here's what I want to do. I wanna give you a chance to release this right now. And so I want you to repeat after me in the quiet of your own heart. You don't have to say this out loud. And I want you to pray this right now. Jesus, you forgave me when I didn't deserve it. I identify my bitterness with fill in the blank. I release my bitterness with them unto you. I forgive whoever it may be. And then as you're sitting there with your hands clenched, and your, your white knuckles showing and you're frustrated, I want you to just open your hands and just release it. And then I want you to say, I forgive you. And then following this, this service, you might need to send a text, say, I forgive you. You might need to make a call. You might need to say a prayer. You might need to do the thing that you don't want to do because we need to move on from get rid of and release those people unto God, whatever the situation is. And maybe some of us in this room need to ask for forgiveness. What call do you need to make right now? What letter do you need to write? Some of you need to send a text and say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry for the years that I abandoned you. And, and here's the thing. We don't do it based on their, their response because Jesus didn't, Stephen didn't. When his murderers killed him and he said, Father, forgive them, they didn't stop. But he did it not for them. He did it for himself. And this is why you're doing it today also. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we just thank you so much for your word that it teaches us and it can move us and it can change us. And I ask right now in the name of Jesus Christ for any of us that, that visibly put our hands out and, and clench that pain and that bitterness and hurt and we yelled some things in our mind that we've yelled hundreds of times and some words that we probably shouldn't say. I pray that any of us that, that literally open their hands and release it unto you, that they'll mean it from the bottom of their heart and they'll be set free. And they can walk out of this room with a weight off their shoulder, the heaviness off their heart, and they can be fully surrendered unto you. I pray for life change. I pray that those that prayed to receive you for the first, only, and the last time, that they, they realize this is a new relationship and everything has changed. And I pray that those that have just released that person or that situation unto you is drastically changed for an eternity and they are free. And pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ.